Good morning. Great to see everybody. So glad you're worshiping with us today, whether it's in person or you're joining us online. Glad you're here for week three of Would You Rather. I have a couple of Would You Rathers for us uh, as we get started today. Here is the first one. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great, 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 great grandchildren? Think about it for just a sec. Go in the past, talk to your ancestors, go in the future. Talk about the ones who are to come after us. How many of you want to go in the past? Meet your ancestors. How many of you want to go to the future? Meet, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, another one, I like this one. Would you rather be stuck on an island alone or stuck on an island with someone who talks incessantly? Some of you are already stuck on an island with someone who talks incessantly, perhaps. How many of you would rather be alone? How many of you would rather have somebody there to talk to even if they talk all the time? How many of you are the person that talks all of the time? Okay, at least you know it. At least you know it, you admit it, you're proud of it. I'm happy for you uh, for that. One more as we uh, get ready for the message. Would you rather have $10,000 today or $10 million in 20 years? Would you rather have money in the bank today, $10,000, or $10 million in 20 years. How many of you want money today? Just give it to me now. I'll decide what to do with it. How many? You might not be alive in 20 years. This is true. How many of you would wait 20 years for the $10 million? All right. Kind of evenly divided. We, we have differences of opinion. Um, it, it, we do face in life this tension of... Uh, what I want now versus what I'm going to want in the future. What I want now uh, versus what the future me wants, right? There, 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 is a, there is a today version of me that has uh, wants and desires and, and perhaps needs and goals. Uh, today me wants certain things today. But then there is, for example, one year from today me. And one year from today me often sees the decisions of today me very differently from today me. I'm very aware of what today me wants, right? Because I'm always with today me. I know today me. I shave his face every day. I look at him in the mirror. I am well aware of what today me thinks and wants. It's a little more difficult to know what one year from today wants for today me because I'm not going to meet him for a year. Like I don't know him yet. I don't know what he's going to want. So it is difficult to have a perspective of what am I going to wish in the future that I had done today. I, I don't know about you, but I often picture one year from today me as being very frustrated with today me, very unhappy with today me. Because, because here's what happens. One year from today me, he often has to pay for things that today me buys. And I don't think that makes him happy. One year from today me often has to apologize for things today me does and says. One year from today me often experiences the consequences of today me's 
choices. As a matter of fact, if, if I could represent one year from today me in a gift, like if I thought of this is what one year today me thinks about what today me is doing, it, it might be this gift right here. I think future me is always doing this when he, when he looks at what today me is doing. Or maybe even this one. Maybe this is the way future me views today me. And, and possibly even this next one. This is what future me is constantly doing when he sees what today me is deciding. Yeah, there's today me. And then there's future me. And, and future me has to deal with all of the consequences of the choices that today me makes. Now, this is not only pragmatic and practical, like the financial example. Future me has got to pay for the decision me keeps making. It's not only practical and pragmatic in that sense, but this, this principle of future me, today me, is also spiritual. It, it's eternal in the sense that future me and even eternal me is going to have an opinion about how today me is living. Right? I, I'm going to eventually be one year from today me. And, and it doesn't have to be one year from today. I mean, often one week from today me has to work really hard because today me was lazy. Like it doesn't even take a year. And sometimes it's longer than a year. It's five or ten years. But when it comes to our, our spiritual lives, there's, there's this eternal aspect that, that one day we're going to view our whole life from the perspective of eternity. And, and, and we're going to be happy with what we see. We're going to be happy with what we remember or we're going to wish we had used our life for things that really mattered, things that really counted. Uh, there are spiritual implications of the decisions and the focus that I have today. Jesus deals with this in, in a lot of places, but one place in particular is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew's, Matthew chapters 5 through 7 uh, are the, the full version of Jesus' teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, and that sermon in many ways is Jesus saying, the world is going to live like this and I want you to live like this. Uh, the world is going to view things. The, the worldly perspective is going to be this. But I want your perspective to be this. Jesus showing us a different way to live. A different way to view our lives. A, a different way to view our decisions. To view everything that we do and say and decide through an eternal lens. An eternal perspective. What will I be happy with? What will I be satisfied with? What, what will be fulfilling to me from eternity's perspective as it relates to the way I'm living my life right now, the, the decisions that I'm making right now? And, and, you know, the easiest thing to say is, well, we should read it and we should just do what Jesus says, right? That's a great approach. Let's just do what Jesus says. But I face, I think most of us still face this tension of what I want now Versus what I know is going to be best in my future. What I want in the moment 
versus what I'm really going to value and be proud of in eternity. Because here's what I find in my life. Today, this moment, today is always offering just enough. It's always offering just enough to make me consider trading away what's most valuable for what I think is immediately valuable. Today's always offering me just enough. It's, it's, it's always going to give me that 10,000 and encourage me not to wait for the 10 million. It's, it's going to always encourage me to act in a way that will get something now rather than to live in such a way that there'll be such a greater reward in my future or in eternity. It's always offering. And, and for me, maybe you're not this way, but today me is always off, open to those sort of offers. Right. Today, me is always willing to negotiate. Today, me is always willing to listen and hear, hear out what the world is offering me now. There's this constant offer. There's this constant tension of, hey, you can have this now. Why wait for later? You can have this now. Why put off? Maybe it'll be better in the future. Maybe it won't. Who knows what your future is going to be? But you can have it now. The world is always offering that option. Here's what Jesus says. When Jesus talks about now versus eternity in the Sermon on the Mount, here's what he said. This is Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do not live for this moment that's right in front of you. Do not... Take what the world offers and try to build your life around that. Make that the foundation of your life. Don't do that. And here's why. It's going to be lost. It's going to fade away at some point. And the, the NIV uses the example of moths and vermin. Most, most translations say moth and rust. Where moth and ru rust do not destroy, NIV makes an interesting choice of saying moth and vermin the the core idea is something that eats something away over time. All right, so moths eat fabric away over gradually over time. All right, it doesn't happen all at once, but you pull the clothes out and there's a hole. There's there's destruction. Uh, rust slowly eats away metal. Not all at once. You don't notice it all at once. But after a while, you realize we've got a problem. After a while, the whole thing's destroyed, slowly eating metal away. Vermin slowly eat just about anything they can find away. Right? That's the picture. Don't build your life on. Don't, don't accumulate. Don't store up for yourselves in the decisions that you're making, the choices that you're making, the relationships that you have. Don't store up for yourselves something that's going to fade away. It's going to get eaten away. It's going to be gone one day. And then Jesus gives an, another example. Not only the gradual fading away, but quickly losing something, as in a, a thief. A thief doesn't show up over time and just take a few things, right? The, the thief shows up and what you had is now gone. You had it one moment, it's gone the next moment. What Jesus is saying is that either gradually, over time, slowly, or very quickly, the things of this earth will be gone. They will fade away. What you're building your life on, if you're building it on things of this earth, either quickly or gradually, it's going to be gone. Therefore, don't 
make it the priority of your life, of your focus, to accumulate items that you can't keep. If that's true, if it's true that the things of this earth, decisions based on earthly mentality, eventually fall apart, they eventually fade away, then don't make it the priority of your life to accumulate items that you can't keep. That's foolishness. Living for the things that you are going to lose is a foolish way to live your life. Foolish way. The Bible gives the illustration of building your house on the sand, right? Same sort of idea. How foolish is it to live for things that you can't keep? How foolish is it to prioritize your life around things that are going to fade away? Jesus isn't saying that the things themselves are necessarily evil. Right? Wealth is not evil. Stuff is not evil. Jesus is saying, if your whole perspective, if the priority of your life, if the focus of your life above everything else are the things that fade away, you're foolish. Don't, don't do that. Don't build your life on things you're going to lose. He goes on. But instead of doing that, instead of living that way, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Live for. Make decisions based on the things that are going to last forever. The foundation of your life, the general orientation of your life should be towards things that you can't lose. That you will keep forever and ever and that matter for all eternity. Again, Jesus is not saying these things are bad. They can't be in your life at all. Jesus is asking, what's your value system here? How do you prioritize your life and your time and your decisions and, and the issues of your life? How do you prioritize those? Based on your value. Jesus is concerned about what we treasure. What we most are going after. How we're making the decisions of our lives. Are we making them based on our current circumstances? What's right in front of us? Those impulses that we have. Are are we evaluating all of life through what is eternally significant? You see, living from this eternal perspective, it comes down to what I value. It comes down to what I treasure. Because what I treasure will overrule the decision making in my life. Yes, I'd like that, but this is more important. Yes, that's part of my life, but the foundation of my life is what matters for all of eternity. It's what we value. It's what we treasure. It's where our affection is. Jesus goes on. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A little bit of a confusing analogy. Jesus is talking about how we see the world. And he says... You take in the world through your eyes. You, you make value judgments based on what you see. Your, uh, your perspective is 
informing your decisions. Therefore, the way you see the world matters. What you identify as most important in your life matters. Because if you're viewing life from an eternal perspective, then your, your life's going to be healthy. It's going to be meaningful. It's going to be fulfilling. It's going to matter for all of eternity. But if you view the world through the wrong lens, then you're actually living in darkness. You're making decisions blind. You're making decisions based on today and what's right in front of you. And the scary part of what Jesus says is, you may not even know this. It's likely that if you're living for the moment, if you're ignoring eternity or, or, or making eternal issues secondary in your life, you don't even recognize it. You don't even see it. Right? Jesus is saying you can live in the dark, but think you have the light. His phrase is, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? the light within you is darkness, how great is that dark? You think you're making the right decision. You think you're living from the right perspective when your view of the world has been influenced by things that don't last, things that don't matter. You're prioritizing the world based on now, and Jesus has already said, it's not going to last. It'll be gone. Verse 24, no one, Jesus says, can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus is not talking about how, talking about how we feel. He's not talking about our emotions. He's talking about the priorities that we have. No one can serve two masters. Both of these Earthly desires and eternal desires, they can't both be first in your life. One of them has to be first. One of them has to be guiding all of your decisions, guiding the way you spend your time, guiding the choices that you make. One of them is going to be first. Jesus says both of them can't be first. Your life is going to be oriented, evaluated by eternal questions or immediate questions, one of the two. You're going to make decisions based on what will last forever, or you're going to make decisions based on what you want, want in the moment. You can't serve two masters. They can't both be first. They can't both be the deciding factor. So how is your life oriented? I, I don't mean as an intellectual exercise. I don't mean... Do we all intellectually agree we should care about eternity more than right now? I mean, what does your life say is most important to you? If we opened your calendar, what does your calendar say is the priority in your life? Like we looked at your daytime or how you spend your time. If we listened to your conversations, if we looked at your relationships... What would we think is the master of your life, the priority of your life, the principle by which all other decisions get made? Not, not so much how we answer the question on Sunday, right? Because we're all here at church and this is important and we should be at church and we should worship, but I, 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 
I think we can deceive ourselves on Sunday morning, right? Because we all agree with the pastor on Sunday mornings. We all agree with the Bible on Sunday mornings. What I'm asking is, what about on Wednesday? What about on Friday? What about Tuesday? What is the priority of our life outside of this room? Jesus talks about storing up things, accumulating things, wealth. And then he shifts his questioning. He shifts to the issue of worry as an indication of where our focus is. Where we have anxiety, where we feel stress is an indication of what's really first in our life. He says, verse 25, therefore I tell you. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Isn't there more to life? Isn't there more to our existence? Isn't there more to our soul than the immediate needs that we have? And these are needs, right? Admittedly, we, we have to eat. That, that is a good thing. We have to eat. We should wear clothes. That's a good thing. Food and clothes are good and necessary things. He's not saying that we just abandon all of that. Jesus is pressing us to ask, how are you making the daily decisions of your life? Are you motivated by your immediate needs and your immediate desires and what's right in front of you? Or do you step back and say, what will matter from eternity's perspective. When we find ourselves worried, anxious, stressed about immediate things, Jesus seems to be saying that's a good indication that your perspective has gotten off. Because these things are needed, but not, they're not the most important thing. He, he even says, uses the question, is not life more than food and the body more Aren't there more important things that you should be concerned about? Aren't there eternal matters that should be guiding you more than stressing about all of the immediate things in your life? He expands this analogy when he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more, much more valuable than they. Don't, don't, don't you think God has ways of providing for you? Don't you think that God will give opportunities for, for those needs to be met in your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagan runs after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Like He knows there are earthly things that you need. There are earthly pursuits that that you will go after. What Jesus is concerned about is that the immediate earthly needs that are fading away become the sum total of your life. 
And that those earthly needs and desires and impulses and momentary decisions begin to replace heavenly values. Right? Our earthly needs, as necessary as they are, can't replace eternal perspective, heavenly values. Asking, what will this look like? A thousand years into eternity. Sometimes in making the day-to-day decisions of our life, we forget that we're going to stand in eternity one day. And I think we're going to still have conscious memory of the life that we lived on earth. We're going to be a thousand years into eternity. What's going to matter at that moment that you're doing right now? What's going to live on? In that moment, what will you be proud of? What, what will you be fulfilled by? How much will we be able to say, I made decisions then in light of now? I made choices on earth in light of the fact that I'm going to be standing in eternity one day. Jesus sums up all of this, the, the wealth argument and the accumulation argument and the worry Argument. He sums up all of this in one phrase in verse 33 when he says, But instead of living that way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. There are things that you need. God, God will provide opportunities for you to have those things. God will provide a job and an, an income for you and, and a place to use your skills. God... God will provide that. That's a part of this life. But the priority has to be seeking the kingdom of God every single day. Pursuing it. Going after it. Not intellectually agreeing with it, but actually pursuing and seeking the kingdom of God. Seek in the original is a tense that means ongoing activity. Day after day, I'm going to keep seeking the kingdom of God. It's not something I do once and then I'm done with. It's not something I do once and then I don't have to do it again. Seeking the kingdom of God is something I have to do every day. Because again, the world is always offering a substitute. The world is always offering $10,000 to replace $10 million. The the world is always offering something now to steal from what I know is important ultimately, but seek first, go after it. The kingdom of God, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he just means the place where God rules. I pursue every day, God, what is going to be under your rule? What is going to honor you? How does my life please you? Because we're going to live for the moment or we're going to live for forever. That's, those are the perspectives we're going to have. Jesus says it differently in Mark 8, 36. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What good is it to accumulate stuff on earth? What good is it to be filled with worry and anxiety about earthly things and lose the most eternal things, the most important things? Every single day, you and I are trading our life away. And we are trading it away for things that last or for things that fade. 
We're trading minutes away. We're, we're trading days away. We're trading weeks and months and years. We're trading away our life every day. And we're trading it for something that's going to be gone eventually. Or we're trading it for things that last forever. It seems like a pretty clear trade. But it's so tempting in this world to trade forever for now. Eternity for the moment. And what we amass in our life is a bunch of things that are falling down. A bunch of things that are fading away. A bunch of things that are getting eaten away and slipping out of our hands that we thought were so important. Julie and I went to Callaway Gardens uh, Friday and Saturday as part of celebrating our anniversary. And to tell you how old we are, we are at the age where the whole trip down to Callaway Gardens, we kept asking each other, have we ever been to Callaway Gardens before? Did, do you remember the last time we went to Callaway? Did we go? Did, do you remember if we went with somebody? Did we go by? What, where did we stay? And we would talk about something else for a few minutes, and then we'd come back. One of us would say, have we been to Callaway Gardens before? And we could never figure it out. I still don't know if we had been to Callaway Gardens before. But we go, and we had a wonderful time. Highly recommend Callaway Gardens. It's a beautiful place. We stay at the lodge. It's great. We got up yesterday morning, Saturday morning, and wanted to exercise. And so Julie went to the gym in the lodge where we were staying. And I thought, I don't know if you've ever been to Callaway Gardens before. Maybe I'll go see Callaway Gardens and see if anything looks familiar. Nothing looked familiar. But I, I went out and I hit the bike trails and the, the walking trails and the hiking trails. And I ran, I ran the trails, kind of made this big, huge loop all the way around Callaway Gardens. And I don't know if you've been or the last time you've been or if you remember if you've been. But um, Callaway Gardens is an interesting place, beautiful place. You should go. They do Christmas things and pumpkin things and, and they have a lake and a beach and a ski show and you know stuff like that it, it's a great place but it's this mix of new things like the lodge where we stayed and other structures around Callaway Gardens that are obviously not new at all um, for example uh, on the beach these things are there. The concrete things are there. They weren't built last year. And it's really obvious they weren't built last year. I got this from the internet. I didn't actually take this picture. Um, but it just has this 1950s, 1960s feel uh, uh, to it. They're stained and faded. and Maybe you went there as a kid and it's nostalgic to see these things. Uh, one approach that Callaway Gardens takes to these structures is they try to dress them up, you know, like this. They've got little things around them. They've got little picnic tables underneath and, and ferns. And so, so they try to dress them up so you don't notice these are really old and we hope they don't fall on you. Um, and, and so they, they try to make them look a little bit nicer, uh, a little bit a bit better, but I mean, they weren't built last year. 
So on the one hand, they have these structures that they kind of try to hide. But I, I'm on this run and, and I'm, on the, I'm going down these trails and I come around a corner and I see this. And I did take this picture. It is this massive structure that is completely empty and there's weeds all around it and part of it's broken. Here's another more expanded picture. There's, there's a little sign there that says uh, no entry, staff only. You can see how things are kind of falling down over here. It, it, the sign says it used to be a horticulture building. Um, maybe we went there before. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember much. Um, but it's really obvious that it's been abandoned. It's just kind of fallen down. It's of no value, really, of no use anymore. They're just kind of letting it, letting it go. Here's another picture. Shows some of that. Look at, look at the light poles that are still there. Like nobody's putting those light poles up right now. They're rusted. They're sort of leaning to one side. I'm sure they don't work. My concern for us in navigating this world is that we are putting time and energy and effort and we're passionate about and we're arguing about and we have p- opinions about and we're giving our time and our calendar and our, our space to future relics. And we think it's so important right now. And we think it's m- the most important thing right now and five years from now 10 years from now 20 years from now someone's going to come around the corner of our life and they're going to go what is this what it what is this for and these areas that we're giving so much of ourselves to so much of our energy to They're just going to be crumbling relics that got left behind. The choices we're making today, they matter. They matter. They are building for us a life of eternal weight, eternal glory. Are they building things that are just going to sit empty and fall down one? We thought they were important. Maybe they serve some short-term purpose in our life, but we're going to look back at our life one day, and it's just going to be abandoned building after abandoned building after relic after falling down. And it frightens me that I could live so much of my life thinking I'm in the light and be so deceived. If I'm not walking closely with Jesus, if I'm not hearing from His Spirit, if I'm not pushing back what is now and immediate and trying to see what's eternal. What, what are you building in your life? What, what, are you, what, what structures are you, are you putting in place 
Seek first the kingdom of God, a kingdom that will stand for all eternity and His righteousness and whatever else you need on this earth, whatever else is necessary to a life. God's going to show you how to get that. Just don't let that be what drives you. Don't let that be what you're building. Build things that will last forever and ever with your life. God, give us the wisdom, strength, and the courage to live for eternity. This world offers us such immediate gratification. This world tempts us to get involved in, to get angry at, to choose sides on, to have opinions about so many things that just don't matter. And if we're not careful, we will be convinced that things that don't matter actually matter. And as Jesus said, how dark the darkness will be for us if we view life that way. Teach us to live for eternity. To give our life to eternal matters. For the kingdom of God and the sake of Jesus and His glory, may it be so in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.